Welcome back to another episode of the 48 Men Podcast. I am super excited today. I've been wanting to have this guest on for a while now, and I'm super thankful that uh, basically his brother, not his brother, his son was able to make it happen. So welcome, Phil, to the podcast. And Al, I'm excited that you're here to help facilitate some of our conversation. You know, I wake up every day, I look out my window, Christian, I see your house being built. Uh-huh. So it just reminds me of you every day. I just want you to know that. We're well, looking thank out you. For- well, it's, it's going to take a while to build. So <laughs> I know. You you've been me thinking that. of me for a while. I hope you keep thinking of me when it, when it gets built. I will. So I'll we'll come over be, and visit. Yeah. We'll always just be thinking of each other. That's so. right. I'm super excited. Well, Phil, so for those who don't know, you were used to be an amazing uh, football player, specifically quarterback. So talking about your old football days for a second... Was that something that you were always naturally gifted at, or did you work super hard at, at football? And you're you're born with with a football arm. You're yeah. born with that. You, you can't make one. You can't tweak it and try to get no. Yeah. So you're, tell you're them bo- this. You either got it or you don't. Tell them the story of the what y'all had when you were a boy for a football, and then we were standing in with. front of the log house. Uh, one of one of Maul's cousins built the house. Fireplace in the back, no heater, uh, you know, none of none of that. No TV, none, none of that. It was nineteen fifty, but it could have been eighteen fifties. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. And some guy came up there that one of the coaches at the local high school just drove by, and we all were standing there in the yard. Our, our ball, our football, baseball, whatever, just was was socks with other socks stuffed. Stuffed in there. That was it. That's the only ball we had. <laughs> and the coach just drove by and threw a football out the window. He, somebody else was driving, and they just turned around like that and threw a ball of football. It bounced. Nobody moved. <laughs> we were just sitting there. And, and he went on. He, the coach left. And he didn't even say anything. He just we just stood there <laughs> looking at the ball, and nobody would move. And then all of a sudden. It was like dogs on a it just <laughs> on a hand bone. Oh yeah, just <laughs> I mean we and that opened it up, you know. Well they started throwing balls around and everywhere I'd go when a school started, first grader, second grader, everybody there said, Man, that that, that little old buck has an arm on him. Yeah. So You know it's really interesting, Christian, because I didn't I'd always I mean, I was alive. But it was a little baby and a boy yeah. when dad was playing football, so I don't remember any of it. But I always heard the stories about how good he was and how quick his release was. And when Bradshaw talks about him, he talks about how he compared you to Joe Namath yeah. is who he compares to with that sort of release. And so the assistant athletic director from the University of Alabama a few years ago, was a big fan of the show, and he had reached out, and so I talked to him, and we kind of went back and forth. He said, look, I got something I want to send you. I think you'll you'll enjoy it. I want you to give it to your dad. So he sent a game film from 1965. It was Louisiana Tech versus University of Alabama, wow. and dad was the starting quarterback, and Kenny Stabler was the starting quarterback for them. Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, they won a national championship that year. But Yeah, they were undefeated. So, so I'm watching – so I take it out to dad – and I said, you're not believe this. And they've colorized it. So it was in color, you know, these big universes. Awesome. And so we sat down and watched it. So first time I'd ever really seen dad play other than a few clips on the internet that we watched that whole game together. And the, the thing I noticed, dad, what shocked me is they were all right. 
I mean, the ball got out so fast. It looked like Marino to me is who I compared you to. It was that quick coming out. Yeah. And of course, most time it's hitting off their helmet, and you know the the people that were surrounding yeah. that in 1965. It was it was no doubt he had a professional ability, but a lot of other people did. Yeah. And so that I think he threw four picks, but most of them were bouncing, glancing off of somebody else. Yeah. But he also threw for 230-something yards wow, against awesome. a Bear Bryant defense. So yeah. it, it was impressive to watch. I was I was so glad we got to yeah, see it I want it to watch together. that film. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I got it somewhere. I have to yeah. show it to you. So you were always naturally athletic, though. Did you play any other sports besides football? You, you, you got it. You're born with that. What did you play in high school? But you played – what baseball? The the whole time I either pitched in baseball, got a good arm. Uh, I threw the javelin. Yeah, went to state with that. Throwing the javelin, baseball and football. It so came to throw three sport athlete. I yeah. mean, not bad. Yeah, you know. But you can't. You can't. That's either. That's either the Almighty gave you that or not. Did you like the working out process of it, or did you just enjoy playing the sport? Well, I'd rather. Then and now, I would have rather been in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> so I did it. I said, they'll pay for my education, football scholarship, but I had much rather hunt ducks, squirrels, whatever, deer, yeah. than play football. You got to remember, at that time, Bradshaw, I stepped down. I told him, I said, I'm stepping out. You step up. I said, you play in second string here. I said, I don't think you'd beat me out. I said, but if I get out of the way, you want to play football, right? In the pros, yeah. I said, have at it. I'm out of here. Just so you'll know. I said, good luck to you. And he was all pumped up about it because it's his chance to to go. I so I went to the woods, but when he come time to sign the contract, uh, who who did he play for? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. They paid him a hundred thousand dollars, which is was the biggest signing bonus ever in yeah, nineteen seventy. Up wow. to paid that point. out over ten years, <laughs> ten thousand a year for ten. <laughs> I mean, that's ten years, so he gets ten grand a year, <laughs> ten thousand a year. But they got him for it, so you know. So, Dad, I've never asked you this. Now, if they were talking about ten million, well, it's different. If I'd have been there, if they were paying that kind of money. I'd have said okay. You might have given a shot. Yeah. So I was going to ask you because you because there wasn't Christian, any money in it. Christian asked yeah. about working out, Dad. So, but it was probably different in the '60s, but it may not be. So like now they work out year round. But in your day, you really came to camp and kind of got yourself in shape and then played football, right? A, it wasn't like did you have a yearly oh, routine? Yeah. Okay, they had a schedule, but being a quarterback, you know they 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 didn't recommend pumping weights. You don't want to get too torqued up. No. Yeah. yeah, which is a lot different. Yeah, now. I mean, well, wasn't you, it something like during the summer they had to go get jobs or something instead of yeah instead jobs. of training jobs? Yeah, what was that like? Uh, uh we'd go to the middle of nowhere up in uh, Nebraska, uh, blowing up pipelines, then bring up two or three joints that they, they tend to rust the most. They put in forty years ago. They'll rust in them creek beds, you know. Mm-hmm. So when you come to a creek bed, that's usually where it blowed up. Replace that. I was there just to look for leaks and yeah. fight around with trucks, you know. We'd pump them up, put water in them, and pump them up, and it'd get up at about 500 pounds, whatever, and you let it sit there. You, you'd see it go. That needle would fall. 
Well, then you knew you blew a hole in it somewhere. So, with the university help, you get the jobs and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I guess they knew some people there too. To, yeah, uh, you know, alumni and stuff. Alumni. So, in that timeline of when you <clears throat> when you stopped playing football and you started to get in the woods and started hunting more, when was that? When you really like for those listening who know that you know who know that you played football, know that you love to hunt, but when you first came to know Jesus, when 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 was that time frame after that? And it was at Louisiana you, Tech. When I was in college, like a lot of you young bucks out there are listening right now, it was during that period of time when I started getting drunk as a skunk, and all we did was party, get drunk, you know. They had a little drugs, they'd pass around a little marijuana. So that was uh, the beginning of uh, some tough years as far as being a, a scoundrel. Yeah, you know that no doubt about it. So I didn't find Jesus. To, I never heard a college professor mention the word Jesus. You didn't hear anything about it. Not a word. None. Everybody was up to no good that I knew of. So I come out of that bad. So at twenty eight, which that's about four or five years after leaving Louisiana Tech, I went back at night, got my master's degree. And you were teaching and coaching at the time. Teaching and coaching. So I could have stayed with that about, it tops out about 40 grand a year. But I decided to to fish the Washtaw River and sell the fish and and make duck calls. Looking back, now, you know, and now that I'm here, I don't know whether, I don't know whether duck hunting would have made me a millionaire or not, but... It ain't a bad way to roll. Yeah. You got to remember something. Then, boys, if you go the the pros, uh, especially if you're a quarterback, your chances of being sidewinder and knees, it, yeah. it, it's a tough way to make a living. Yeah. Bradshaw was telling me when I saw him one day after his career up there with I ran him to him at an airport over in L.A. He was showing me his how many – Surgeries. I mean, and all. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. He said he had five women and been married five times, and he had a lot of misery. So, so I, I'm, I think it's a pretty good choice just to chase ducks. <laughs> it yeah. turned out pretty well. Yeah. So for someone who's, like, grown up in church who knows who Jesus is, what do you feel like it was the moment for you where – because I know the story about, you know, when your, when your sister told the preacher to come see you in the bar. Yeah. What was the moment where that actually – clicked for you everything that he was talking about when he took a piece of paper and uh actually did that yeah he he took a piece of paper and he drew out the gospel on it god became flesh we're counting time by the event christmas he died on a cross there's your sin problem solved they put him in a tomb three days later he's guaranteed resurrection from the dead death itself can't 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 keep its hold on you so i heard that and i was like how in the world did i ever miss that mm-hmm. i said i never i've never heard that explained so i said that sounds too good to be true all my sins i got a lot of them all your sins are removed none in the future are counted against you he's there 24 7 to mediate for you you don't have to fear physical death. You just sleep. You open your eyes, and it's resurrection day. I said, well, good night. 
get me in there. Mm-hmm. So I just put my faith in Jesus. We went to, I was baptized and I never looked back. That's the best decision I ever made. So it worked out, you know. You know, no, right? No football needed. But, you know, when you, as I recall, right after you came to Christ, you were teaching at OCS, which has now been still here. You know, my grandkids, yep. your great grandkids go there. You were teaching and coaching, but I remember you getting in, getting like running and were throwing the ball. And, and, you know, you weren't really talking to us about it, but somebody had, uh, maybe it was Brunei or somebody had tried to get you to consider even at 28. Yeah, like giving it a shot, and, and so you never did, but no. but I but you at least thought about it for a minute because I remember you. He would he would go run stadiums at Western Ohio High School, and I just remember him throwing the ball and kind of getting himself back in conditioning. You know, even after all those years, but I guess it never happened. I could have done it. I could have yeah. played pro ball, but I, I think just, you were trying to figure out where to go. Yeah, and then you wind up going to the river. But your heart has to pretty well be in it to, to yeah to do it. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah, I saw a clip that you're that you posted recently, but it was it was of your sister saying, um, like the night when that when that pastor mentioned the bar, the idea of like if if uh, basically what she said is if if you convert him, he'll convert thousands. I just thought that clip was so cool. So like, did you always have like the you know the charisma about you? Because being a quarterback, obviously you're a leader. So yeah. did, do you feel like you always had leadership qualities and kind of the the idea that people will follow you? Uh I never thought about speaking to the human race, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I never thought I would do that. Right. But, but you know, Dad, you, because me watching Dad, you know, grow up, I was growing up, he was in the world. Mm-hmm. But I saw young men in particular gravitate always to Dad. Yeah. He was always the he was always telling the story. He was always figuring out what were they even crazy things they were doing around this bar we ran, but it was always them coming to dad with an idea with whatever. That is true. So he's always had something. Yeah. That, that like you described it. It's probably what makes you a good leader. But yeah. it's he was obviously doing it for the wrong side. Once that flipped over, she was right. And so Jan saw it too. Yeah. And and I saw it. I saw it mm-hmm. growing up. And it made me look up to dad, even though he wasn't the the man he wanted to be and became, mm-hmm. I still thought he was the coolest dad ever. I mean, never lost a fight, never lost a arm wrestle. You know, what I mean, all the yeah. things he did. So, I mean, it was you were a leader one way or the other. You were just yeah. you just had the wrong. You were leading people the wrong way. Yeah. Well, for these boys, for them to understand, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food, he's talking about the scriptures. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use, check this out, have trained themselves. You know, most people, when it comes to training, somebody else is training. Mm -hmm. But in this case, for all you young bucks out there, Solid food, that's scriptures. Scriptures are for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. This is not rocket science. When people say, oh, I don't know, I'm all confused, you know, and I, I don't know where I... No, no, it's real simple. 
You can train yourself to know the difference between good and evil. Embrace good and, and flee from evil. It's, it's, it's that simple. Yeah. So no, no, no phone calls, no learned men, no. So you go around as a person, check this out. You say, so I'm going to have to get into some personal training myself to make an impact on the way I roll spiritually or physically. That is true. Check this out. Here's a young buck that the Apostle Paul is talking to. Listen right here. Uh, elder. I'm an elder who, who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message that has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. You notice an elder is to one who loves what is good. So whatever you're doing, find out what is good and what is evil. That's chapter 1, verse 8. You go down on chapter 2, uh, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. That's, that's a group of individuals. That's twice. Chapter 2, verse 6. Be self-controlled. And everything set people around you examples by doing what is good. Let's see. Be good, be good, and be good. Let's see. Uh, our hope is in the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all the wickedness and to purify himself a people who are his very own, eager to do what's good. That's about four or five times. Just below that, chapter 3. This is in Titus, the little book of Titus. People to be Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever's good. How hard could it be? You get up in the morning and someone says, hey, try this, and you're like, is it good? Is it what is that? You find out whether it's good or not. On the, to finish it up, those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are are excellent and profitable for everyone. At the very end of it, that's about six, seven. I got number eight. Eight times in a little book that's got three little chapters in it. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. Just do good. Yeah. Be good. Yeah. It's not like uh, they got to do some hard thing. You take the scriptures. Jesus never made a mistake. He gave us a model. Love him, love your neighbor. I mean, from the old women to the young men to the old men to the young buck, just do good. You'll be all right. So for you, because I can think about I can think about my life for the last, I don't know, six or seven years when I started following Jesus, and through seasons there's been different things the way I've trained myself spiritually. So for you over the last 
you know, 40 years, how do you feel like you've changed the way that you train yourself spiritually, whether it's through reading more, being out in the woods and praying? How do you feel like you've, you've changed well, the way you train yourself? If you realize that the, the power that you have to live a good, godly, productive life, God gives us his spirit. You're born again when you put your faith in Jesus, the gospel. He died for you, was buried and raised from the dead. You believe that. You died of sin and you're buried. The old you, the one that's running around doing bad, you come up out of the water. God does an amazing thing. He gives you his spirit so you can live by it. Well, the spirit is speaking when you read these texts. You read these texts, you say, it's the Spirit's work to show you. So you learn, you learn how to be full of love instead of hate, joy instead of despair, love, joy, peace instead of war with your woman, with your neighbor, love, joy, peace. God's Spirit in you, working in you. You're allowing Him to work. Love, joy, peace, patience. Think about in the United States of America, if you had were around a bunch of people and they were very patient all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, just little acts of kindness, goodness. Good is always in there. Faithfulness. What's the last one? Gentleness, self-control. Self-control. <clears throat> so it's not like this is some course God charts you on and mm -hmm. you just can't do it. It's so hard. Yeah. Far from it. But the training also changes because he mentioned that verse earlier, talked about when you're a newborn, mm -hmm. you know, when you're first in. So yep. as a brand new Christian, a lot of it is surrounding yourself with people that are going to make you stronger. Yeah. And teach you is, is having mentors in your life. And so I remember... When so Dad, what are you going to do with your buddies who are not good? You got to make a call. That's right. I mean, in his case, he had yeah. to move away. But what he replaced them with, because I remember, so Dad's brand new in the business. But he's a brand new Christian. So he invites down the guy who led him to Christ about once a week. And he is a preacher, so he loved to eat, you know, mm -hmm. what preacher doesn't. And so he would he would feed him fish. And the, it was a quid pro quo because as he's feeding him the fish – He's feeding dad the word. Mm -hmm. And they would have a Bible study for two or three hours. And he or some of the other older guys from the church would come down. And so when I look back on that now, that was part of his training regimen. Mm -hmm. As a new Christian, as a young man, he had to get that. Now that would shift over time, and then he would be the one mm -hmm. doing that with other people. And so I think that's what naturally happens in our spiritual walk. Yeah, The older we get, the more mature we get, the more then we're trained now when we help train other people. Run with mm -hmm. the godly. Run That's with exactly the godly. Right. Yeah. Can y'all speak to the idea? Because even I, I think uh, you kind of just even hinted at it, but the idea of like, you know, once you truly understand it and believe the gospel, like, like what you talked about, there is like a difference of like, you know, the sinful nature and then the fruits of the spirit. Right. Like there is that initial change of like, you're a different person. I think a lot of people, you know, believe it, but then there's no fruit born from it. So what do you think it is that like, when you truly get to a point where you actually don't 
just say you're going to live it, but you actually truly live it out. Right. Like your life actually changes when you believe this. Well, you mentioned fruit. I mean, we, we've been studying Mark on our Unashamed podcast, and there was a scene in there where Jesus is trying to get through to the people around him, but they're not listening to him. And he comes by a fig tree, and it says it was had leaves, and it looked like, you know, so he went over to check it out. Well, there's no figs on it. Mm-hmm. So he cursed it. He's like, you'll never bear fruit. The next morning they walk past and it's just shriveled up. You know, it literally happened overnight because Mm -hmm. of this curse. And it's exactly what happens when we don't make the turn and have Jesus in charge. Yeah. We don't, we can't bear fruit and grow fruit. And as dad mentioned, that's fruit of the spirit out of your life. But then that's also the fruit of other people. And so that begins, when that happens, that's when you make the transition. When you say that, I mean, even what we're doing with the podcast. And so we sit down and we study the Bible for hours before Mm -hmm. we get ready to talk about the Bible for hours. Yeah. And then by us doing that, not we're getting strength, but then we know that there's millions of people out there that are also getting discipled in strength. And so that's a natural process. I think that happens, you know, and it should happen that way. Yeah. You know, and the younger you get in, the good news is the faster you get to that point. So there's never a reason to go off into the world and do what we did. I mean, it's best just to stay in it all the way. Then you know, yeah. but, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a much better life than having the other parts you have to feel bad about. Yeah, and just living lukewarm, like what it, or you know, that. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um. Oh shoot! I literally just when I started thinking about Revelation. I literally just lost my train of thought. That's hilarious. <laughs> You talk um, Revelation, <laughs> Revelation no, twelve eleven. My favorite. There we go. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say, you know, so Phil, you've been, you know, following Jesus for over forty years, and if you look at your Bible, if you're watching on YouTube, it's been, you know, the whole thing's been through, and you pretty much know, at least from talking to you, you know more scriptures than anybody I know. So, how do you feel like you combat that idea of being complacent in your faith after? Well, if after you, reading, if you, if you spend enough time with the scriptures you 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 get them marked on you know where where they are on on the page you know i looked for titus well i knew where it was and i knew what where it said about good you know you say you get to the gospel i'm not ashamed of the gospel but it's a power of god for the salvation of everyone believes and you if you say it enough it begins to just I mean, you, you know where to look, where it is, and you. So uh, there's a lot of things in the Bible that I haven't studied, but spend 40 years, you know, and you know, it's a. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I think Jace's method of, of, when you look at the Bible, the first thing out. And the first section is Jesus is coming. He's coming. That's from Genesis to Malachi. Jesus is coming. Hasn't shown up yet in flesh. Well, there's 400-year lull. God doesn't say a word. Then in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the 400-year void, now we got Jesus is here. John the Baptist goes around baptizing people, and you're like, everybody, he says, uh, I'm going up to Jerusalem. First, he performs all these miracles. And then he says, 
Uh, I'm going up to Jerusalem. We all are. I'm going to die. Uh, they're going to bury me. In three days, I'll be raised from the dead. Jesus said that over and over. Once you get about 15 or 16 chapters, Jesus is here. It shows everything where he came from, how he got here, who his mother was, how his birth was just amazing, no sex involved, and here comes a baby. The, the angel said, all things are possible with God. Mary, you'll be okay. She was like, oh, just think about that. So now he's on the earth. He died, was buried, raised from the dead, which is what saves you. When he first told them, I'm going to die, be buried, raised from the dead, they were jumping around, hollering, no, you're not. You're not going to do that. Peter was, he said, get behind me. That's what's fixing to happen. One thing is to say something and say, uh, we're fixed to go to a town over here. We're fixed to go to Ruston here, and uh, I'm going to die, uh, but I'll be back in three days. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to believe no matter what the time frame is. He does it, predicts it, then does it, and has gone back into where he came from, the heavens, seated at the right hand of the Father, and we're just waiting on the return. Jesus is coming, Genesis through Malachi. Jesus is here, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Jesus is going to return. He's died, he's been buried, he's been raised from the dead, stayed about 40 days, and upward he went. So all we're doing now, including what we're doing today, we're just getting ready for Jesus to return. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty fired up about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you say, are you worried about anything? No. I'm just waiting on Jesus to return. Every time I hear big, loud thunder or lightning or something, I'm like. <laughs> is, that, is that it? <laughs> so, Chris, I wanted to say this to you. I said this on our podcast when you were on our podcast, but I wanted to say this to your audience, that everything we talked about here today, that this was, I met you the second time. First, I met you like a family gathering you know, introduce, this is Sadie's mm. boyfriend. Second time we were flying in from someplace and we were on the same plane as you, little bitty tiny planes that come in and out mm -hmm. of Monroe. And you were sitting right in front of me and you had your Bible out and you, the whole trip was about an hour and a half from Atlanta to here. You were reading your Bible. Mm -hmm. And then as we were getting ready to land, we're circling Monroe. You lean back and you said, Hey, let me tell you what about this passage that I was looking at today and reading. And you told me what you had learned from it. So when I got late, and you never knew this, but when I got back, the next time I saw Sadie, I said, Sadie, the, your new boyfriend, you know, Christian, keeper, keeper. <laughs> because that impressed me that you were a man of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that one day, if y'all stayed together and got married, which you yeah. did, that you would, what you're challenging your audience to do is what you do. So yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. That yeah. means a lot. So Think that, about it. If, if Jesus didn't do this, nobody's getting out of here alive. Yeah, I mean, nobody. Uh -huh. You're like, what a way to live. Surely there's more to it. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that Jesus is here. I, I believe Jesus, not the persons who's talking about salt water made us. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the easier to believe story is Jesus made us. Mm -hmm. I mean, salt water, I'm looking at these ducks, yeah, and they've got 
beautiful feathers. And I'm trying to figure out who, who, what department in saltwater developed all these colors of these ducks. It's just something that simple. <laughs> You're like, something, some, some, saltwater didn't do that. Yeah. Like, think about it. <clears throat> got artwork out there in saltwater somewhere or another that we're going <laughs> to put these color codes on, on ducks. <laughs> it's a graphic art of saltwater. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> giving a lot of credence to saltwater. <laughs> it is. Well, we all have pretty crazy past s- stories, and I know for a lot of people listening, you know, a lot of people struggle with that idea of, you know, how do you truly go from being in the world to being in in Christ with 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 people who actually do have pretty, you know, crazy things that they've walked through and and, and a lot of sins. That, did y'all ever struggle with that going from? you know, this worldly living to living in Jesus and like, you know, kind of like what you said earlier, all, all my sins are forgiven. There's a lot of them. You know, all of us have a lot of a lot of sin that we've walked through in our lives. So was that ever something that y'all kind of combated with of like kind of believing that idea of like is, you know, I've done a lot of I've done a lot of bad things. And because I know that keeps a lot of people from really going full in. Cause they, you won't sin near as much if you're doing the work of the Lord. If you're just hanging around and not being on the offense, the offensive nature. If you're waiting on somehow that uh, God saved you through somebody, we saved us all through someone who shared Jesus with us. Well, if, if you say, that'd be a good line of work to get in if you're going to serve the Lord, just tell people about Jesus. So I, if I'm sitting at home, somebody shows up down there. How's it going? And I've never seen him before in my life. Anybody else? No. Oh, let's check him out. Where are you from? And then it will get into a discussion about do you believe in Jesus or not? And if they're mad, it's no problem. I'm not mad at them. If they curse, I'm not. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I just won't, would like to see them saved. So we try to tell as many as that show up, just come into your house or people you run with, meet them in where you work when you're doing something downtown. Every opportunity, make the use of the best use of it you can. It's amazing how many people you can reach. It yeah. just it becomes who you are. That's when you know you're on the you're you're getting into it. Then yeah, and depending yeah. on how long you were in the world, when you come out of it, your first instinct is I don't want to go back. Yep. So mm-hmm. you're you tend to do everything. You're like I'm just trying to you know I'm trying to hold steady here. But as you grow and the Holy Spirit is in you now, and so you're getting this all these things you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. You grow. It's it's much less about what I'm, you know, don't want to fall back into, but where I want to go mm-hmm. and what I want to do to impact. And so I, I think that's a natural progression. Somebody out there right now, from this little small thing, we're in the duck call room down here. This little get together right here, there will be someone who will embrace Jesus, maybe more than one. Maybe a lot, but there will be fruit coming off of what we're doing right here. That's right. All we're doing is telling them who Jesus is and what He's done for us, what He's now doing, what He will do. So it's 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 not complex. I mean, historically, can't get around Him. You can't get around Him. We know He was here. We're all counting time by Him. I'm fired up about Him. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Bill, Al, thanks so much for joining me. I, re- I really did think people are going to be impacted because it really is just that simple. It's the gospel. Jesus came, he died, he was buried, and he raised. And if we, you know, not just believe it, but if we truly live it out, then 
you know, we'll be saved. So thanks it's so a much blast. for having us. It's Thanks a blast. for having us, Christian. We appreciate it, yeah. bro. It's awesome.